Hello and welcome to the first of our three Commissioner Conversations. Uh, I'm Robin Parker, Features Editor from Broadcast Magazine, and I'd like to welcome first onto the stage Tim Patterson. Who is... <clears throat> Tim is uh, Vice President, Director of Programming at Nickelodeon UK. Um, we'll have some uh, short clips from Nickelodeon in a second, but first just a, a couple of introductory questions. Um, as a UK programming head at Nickelodeon, how much commissioning power do you have within the international organisation? Well, I, I represent uh, the UK and Ireland uh, as programming head, so um, my, my journey within Nickelodeon is very much part of an international base as well. So well, I'm lucky enough to have a number of international colleagues whom I speak with on a weekly basis and certainly at various markets we sort of meet face to face which is wonderful. So in terms of commissioning, what kind of happens, what tends to happen is that if someone comes to me with an idea or a show um, that we can buy, I will share this with my international colleagues as a matter of principle. And certainly, you know, if I like it, I will share it. If they like it, and then we, we then share it again with our, our friends over in the US. If they like it, wonderful. Everyone, sort of, everyone is happy. If it comes back down from domestic, and then interna my international friends like it, wonderful. But if they don't, and they pass on it, because it might be a little bit too UK-centric, or have too many sort of its UK sensibilities are, 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 are too strong for them at that time, then I have the option then of commissioning uh, myself. And I'll discuss with my local team whether or not we want to invest. And there have been a number of occasions in recent times that we've invested locally. So I have the luxury of investing locally as well. So that's broadly speaking in terms of uh, how much uh, commissioning power I have. That's broadly speaking how I, how I work. And I mean, it's pretty hard to put a uh, a, a quantity on it, but in terms of what sort of opportunities you have for those local productions, are we talking you know, sort of one a year, or a couple a year? Well, we had, um, let's say, a year and a half ago, two years ago, we had um, uh, a lovely uh, mix of preschool shows that came um, over our desks. Uh, and we had, um, as many of you know their names, we had Lily's Driftwood Bay, we had Puffin Rock, um, we had Digby Dragon. And um, they were very much felt as being UK-centric, but we loved them so much that we were able to sort of commission them uh, locally. And we are you know, delighted with <coughs> Lily's Driftwood Bay that's on air presently, and we're delighted the fact that we've commissioned another 52 of Lily, which again shows you know, confidence with the brand and confidence with uh, local production. And I know from my point of view, delighted with how it's performed. And does that travel internationally? Has that, is that shown? It certainly before? has traveled internationally. Um, I understand certainly from the distributors that there's a lot of interest with it, and it certainly has travelled, yeah. Okay, uh, I, I would imagine that for a lot of your viewers, the US shows are often the way in. They're the biggest, they're the kind of noisiest shows. I mean, d does that matter in a, in a sense? Is it, is, it, is it easy for UK shows to, to stand out against these, against these brands, or do these help as you know, lead-ins to, yeah. to new titles? It's a, it's a real mix. I think what uh, you know, we, we as Nickelodeon are all about quality. We have our brand resonance that we sort of stand by dearly. So any shows, whether or not they are very American and loud, or whether they're local based, as long as it sort of stands up against the Nickelodeon brand test, from my point of view, it doesn't matter. Um, 
we have entry points, we have the luxury, of course, of a lot of great stuff coming from America, certainly in the live space, but in the preschool arena, where we have a couple of channels, so we have a lot of preschool opportunity, we have a hell of a lot of local shows as well. So, no, I'm not too worried about it, it's a good mix, um, and um, our, our kids, certainly our audiences, you know, they, what they like, they like, and uh, so I haven't got a And just before we, we sort of show a flavour of the channels, how would you encapsulate that brand, particularly when you're talking about UK shows? What are you looking for in a, in a UK? In many ways, if I'm looking presently, if we're talking live, for instance, live action, which is for, you know, in the main where big, big Nickelodeon uh, uh, is, is focused, I'm looking for, for kids-centric, family-centric shows presently. I mean, it is very much about kids' rule. Um, and so I, very, I put, you know, we as Nickelodeon put kids first in, in all that we do. So in, in brand terms, it's basically, it's, it's, it's kids first. Um, and if you tie that in with uh, fam family, which again, research has shown, uh, is key and really important to our audience, plus being kid driven, and there's your, there's your magic scenario. Okay, well, if we can have a look at uh, the Nickelodeon showreel, that gives a flavour of uh, some of the shows we've discussed. It's exciting, isn't it? So we saw at the end there uh, two, two of the power brands in Peppa Pig and Ben and Holly. I mean, are they, are they as strong as ever for talent like they are. Nick Jr.? I'm delighted to say they are, and um, it's from from our point of view. When you when when we're in Nickelodeon, uh, Nick Jr. space, certainly when you've got two power brands like that, it really lends itself to launching new brands. And and the moment we're on a great, we've got great momentum with some really good new local shows coming through uh, to complement Ben and Holly, Peppa Pig, which of course are, are local in their own right. Um, they have Peppa, as you know, has gone global. Um, it it takes time, but a true true brilliant brand like Pepper, um, you know, you have to let it breathe and it, the, tr you know, the truth is now, as I said, she is global, she, she's, done a, she's done a downtown over in the States, in the States. she's maintained uh, you know, her, the local accent which is fantastic, so it just shows that, um, how powerful she is, so yeah, delighted. And she, as I said, she gives a foundation for the, rest, for the rest of our channels, which is of course a great luxury. And a lot of the shows across the, the, the portfolio there, but it's very much humour that's driving them. Yeah. Are you looking for that in pitches? Are you, I mean, humour humor is, uh, you know, if you have a stick of rock, humour runs through it. I mean, that is the key essence of what we're about. It is, it is fun and funny, certainly with regard to when we're looking and talking to all of you um, about, you know, when you pitch, humour is going to be key. And in terms of, um, of how we look at our, our brand and something I did forget to say, of course, because it is so ever-present and so very important, humour and fun and funny is what it's about. So, so yeah, and that in itself, when you think about the Nickelodeon brand as it stands, you know, hum I mean, humour, you know, that is a wonderful transcending uh, uh, brand quality. So, yeah, humour's key. And in terms of, of, of funding models, I mean, uh, how much are you able to, to fully fund a commission? How much would you be expecting a producer to be involved in raising funds with co-production partners? Yeah, well, I mean, co-productions, certainly if we think about an international uh, scenario, gives us huge opportunity. Funding models are interesting um, because 
Um, certainly in the UK, with the talk of tax breaks, with animation tax breaks especially, we have Digby Dragon, for instance, is a show uh, that has managed to embrace the animation tax break uh, this year, which is fantastic. Co-production, of course, does offer opportunities, as I said before. There are various licensing models that we can look at, whether it's like an enhanced acquisition where we uh, are very much involved uh, with the producers, or a straight license. Usually straight licenses uh, for a show that's already been made fully formed and almost uh, is ready to go or to buy off the shelf. So the challenge I think we all have now with the pricing model, though there's so many ways to play these days, and certainly my recent conversations have been around looking at funding models differently, um, whether it's the relationship with a Bob & Co, for example, or whether or not it is funding internationally. So there are ways of actually putting the sort of cake together, but it is fairly complex, but I do think uh, there are opportunities that come within that. Well, let's take Lily's Driftwood Bay uh, as an example, because it, that is, you know, a large commission, you know, the, 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 the top level of a, a children's TV commission of 52 parts. It, it, is that something where, where you're using, they're using tax breaks, or, or are there other partners involved in that, or is that a pure Nickelodeon commission? No, but this is a, a complete array of, of funding opportunities that have come together to create this opportunity. Could you elaborate on the, the partners involved? I could. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I'm not going to in this instance. Okay. <laughs> because I think it is fair not to in this instance. But I think for me, um, the fact is that it is, it is uh, uh, looking at various opportunities that have come to bear. They have taken, been taken advantage of, and we've got a fantastic show that's on air. And with that, I mean, a part of its uh, appeal, uh, I'm sure as a commissioner, but also as a viewer, is, is that it looks and feels very different. It's using kind of natural elements and, and found materials yeah. and things. Um, could you tell us a little bit about whether that's, that was sort of there from the start and whether, whether you know, looking different from other shows on the channel is important to, sort of to, to, to stand out and surprise the audience? I think if you're looking at um, the Nick Jr. landscape as it stands right now, Quality is always first, storyline, the fact that it is different and gives us a point of difference in the marketplace and something to talk about and is really authentic <coughs> is uh, uh, all so very important for us at Nick. With Lily's Driftwood Bay, the whole idea of one, the use of materials to create a unique proposition, two, the beauty of the storyline and the Im imagination thrown in our strap line is every day is an adventure. And Lily, in terms of what she does within those seven minutes, she, it's imaginative, there's adventure. It is, as I said, it's a really beautiful, authentic storytelling. And, and we fell in love with the brand. So from that point of view, it was a very easy, easy commission in that way. And in terms of the mix then of, of commissions, of third-party acquisitions, of, of, of the, the US shows, is that mix broadly the same? I mean, looking forward to 2015, are, are, there, are there gaps? Are there currently opportunities for stuff that could, that could play there? We have a lot of, we're, we're lucky that we have a lot of programming that comes down uh, from the US. We are also very lucky that we have great relationships <coughs> with many of you in this room. Um, so there is a constant stream of ideas that always come across our desks. 
Uh, we're lucky that we have, as we mentioned before, certainly you know, within our junior brands, we have some great shows that are giving us you know, real sort of tentpole uh, uh, audiences that mean that we can build and grow new and other brands. With regard to looking at opportunities, always looking for opportunities for origination. Um, it would be, it's really something that we hold very dear. I know that we have an open door policy at Nickelodeon uh, and we try and get back to you as, you know, within a three month period. I know for you, uh, it probably seems like an age, but we really do feel that we want to speak with, you know, each and every one of you uh, about your new ideas coming to the fore, which is, you know, how we found Lily's Driftwood Bay. Uh, or for that matter, when we spoke to uh, Dog Ears about Puffin Rock, uh, and of course with Ollie with, with Digby Dragon. So, um, always opportunities, always areas in which we can sort of develop and grow together with new ideas. Um, and we are looking for the, you know, we're looking for that high, we are looking for that highest quality uh, of, of show within, within storytelling. So, that's a very long way of saying, yes, yes. There, are, <laughs> there are lots of opportunities. Um, um, within within our market, certainly. And do you think, first of all, do you get a lot of um, a lot of pitches from the UK? Do you think people see you as a as a commissioning place, and, and are they understanding what makes a Nickelodeon show? You know, you're not getting a, a, a show that's perhaps been tried elsewhere first and then come to Nickelodeon. We get a real mix. Um, there's no question. Um, certainly, you know, our advice to anyone who does want to come and speak to us is really get to understand the brand. You know, look at what Nickelodeon does, so you can get a real sense. Uh, about you know what we stand for, um, we do get some you know some one-line ideas. We get some fully formed, and of course when we do the markets, there's a hell of a lot. There's a real there's a real range. Whether or not there's someone tapping on the shoulder and said, "What do you think of this idea?" versus you know we've got this to sell and it's ready-made. So it is a mixed bag, um, and we do get a lot of um, we get a lot of interest uh, in any given week. And uh, Lindsay and Eve, who are my um, program managers. You know, we spend a hell of a long time going through each and every proposal that we get in order to respond um, thoughtfully um, uh, about, about what the, the pitch or the idea is. So, yeah, and it's, a, it's a big focus for us. Okay, now clearly things are changing within um, broadcasting, a lot of consolidation. Viacom is now, as your, your parent company is now, taking control of Channel 5, which, which is obviously a, brand, a big inroad for them. They have the milkshake brand with which you share a number of shows. It may be early days, but do you have a sense at this stage for what this could mean for a UK producer? Does that, does that mean there are opportunities that the shows will play across these channels, or there may be more well, money? First of all, um, before I talk about the fact that we are still going through due diligence, nothing has been signed to and delivered yet, so it's very much business as usual. Uh, but in my half-full head um, space, I, I'm really hugely positive about what the future will bring. The, the whole focus is going to be on mutual benefit. Milkshake is a, is a, a fabulously uh, successful brand. Um, I know the team very well, uh, and I look forward um, in, the, in the future to sort of talking with Jess you know, about opportunities. We share titles anyway. You know, there is a, we have, there's a, already a, a big overlap. So for me, uh, the opportunity to speak with you almost as a, as a well, again, I've got to work out the rules of engagement, but to come to you um, with, 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 with one voice in many ways, uh, knowing full well that we are, we are separate, um, is hugely, hugely exciting for me. Um, 
and again, if I speak to you, any of you later, you know, I can't really talk about it very much because I do not know what uh, is going to happen. Uh, but I do have a very, very positive feeling about what the future will be for both parties. So watch this space on that really, one. Really, no, I, I really, really think it's going to be excellent for all of us. And let's talk a little bit about how your um, your viewers are using different platforms. Uh, you have the Nick app uh, launched last year. It won a broadcast digital award last week. Um, what's your experience of how your audience is using it? Um, what kind of mix of content are you looking for there? And are there opportunities for perhaps some third-party short-form material there, mm. or, or, or also to use that as a way to break new shows? I mean, first, you know, first of all, delighted that we won uh, the broadcast award um, for the Nick app. Um, we have now about probably over now 165,000 down downloads of it. We started and we kicked off with about 200 pieces of content. Now we've got over 500 and it is being used um, a lot. I think there's an average, they call it dwell time, but the amount of time it's used, I believe on average is 14 minutes, but it's sort of, for Nick, for Nick app, it's about 17, which is good. Um, so, and that is increasing. The, uh, the focus is a lot about games and a bit of interactivity. And there's lots of, I don't know anyone who hasn't used it, please do download it, look at it. And there's lots of interaction with it. Um, to your question about short form and about opportunity in that space, yeah, it's, it's a huge opportunity. I think opportunity is going to be my favorite word, by the way. <laughs> but it's going to be something that, as Nickelodeon, we'll be looking at more and more. Uh, there is. Uh, um, I, I, th I think short format offers more individuals, more producers, more companies an opportunity to sort of get in there and have debates and conversations. It, as a rule, you don't have to spend as much. It gives you flavours of how you know it is going to look creatively, and it does then offer an opportunity to set the foundations for something possibly a little bit bigger. So in terms of short form, um, I'm very, uh, very keen to embrace it more. And when children are using it, are they largely looking, for, looking by brand? Or are they looking at, at, you know, I want to play a game, what, what's on there? Or I want a funny clip? I think Nickelodeon, in terms of the app, I think Nickelodeon as a brand name was a great draw. Uh, once in it, and they have uh, all their Nickelodeon faves. Mm. Um, and within that, they have new material associated with our various brands to, uh, to hopefully you know, hold their attention. Uh, and to, in, in the greater sense, um, you know, give the brand a lot more breathing space in that, mar in that, in that world. Now, are you looking at the younger end of the market for that as well? For um, we certainly, I think, um, it would be something that we would investigate. Um, I think it would be sensible. I have my own particular views on, on, the, on, the, on the preschool market and how tablets are being used differently uh, in conjunction with viewing linear. A uh, very interesting session earlier uh, of talking about this space. But there's a lot, there is a momentum forward, but I do think that linear is still being used. It is, um, you know, the, I won't repeat actually what the last panel said, but yes, I think it is very much about the use of the TV set has not gone away by any stretch. Okay, well, I'm sure we'll, you know, we'll return to that with our other panelists. It's time to welcome our next panelist, um, Patricia Hildalgo.
please do sit this end. To shout over the stage. Uh, Patricia is Senior Vice President, Chief Content and Creative Officer, Kids, at Turner Broadcasting System, EMEA. Is that everything? Um, Patricia, Patricia joined Turner a year ago from Disney uh, in a similar role there. Um, before we, we, we have some clips, can you tell me what have been the highlights of your first year? Well, actually, I have to speak about highlights in my career because I think that um, what, I, what I found when I came to Turner is an incredible um, uh, creativity uh, behind the scenes, being able to when I went to the US, go behind the scenes and actually see how we are creating content, how our um, studios are tapping into very young talent in the uh, animation industry and being really innovative in going out there and, and risking and just looking for new ideas and new ways of making animation. And it actually does show if we, can, if we look at our shows that are now really, really um, successful like Adventure Time or Gumball, it's not uh, a coincidence that they're so successful. It's actually the way that we are looking at producing our shows that has made them this success. So for me that was just an incredible thing and I remember standing up um, in the studios and just congratulating these guys I had just met and we're like, well, okay, well, <laughs> but it was, I was really impressed with that. Um, Yes, that's, that's, I, I, I can sum it up like that. And what have you observed as the similarities or differences between, between Disney and, and Turner? The sort of the I think, you know, similarly we are global brands, yep. you know, so that is very similar, but we are all, you know, different brands. Everyone, everybody has a different position in this, the space for all of us. You know, we do cater and we're very, um, you know, passionate about what we do and we, we cater for, for our audiences. And we do have slightly different audiences. So, you know, I guess that's where your uh, differences are. And as an EMEA programming head within the global group, um, how much commissioning power do you have? And what, what, what sort of, tell us a little bit about perhaps some things you have commissioned or uh, uh, helped develop in? So, uh, you know, we are a global company, but we're also global. So we, we do, we are locally relevant. So the way we, we operate, and you know, same as Tim was saying, you know, we're very much um, um, united with with uh, with our you know uh, our U.S. colleagues, but not only, also with Asia Pacific, Latin America, and the way we operate is we either you know would have top down you know bottom up. So if there's anything that somebody likes uh, locally and they bring it up to um, the attention of whoever is uh, leading that region, in my case. You know, EMEA, they would come to um, Cecilia in my team and um, Cecilia Parson in my team and, and, uh, and discuss it with her. And then we will actually, you know, um, take it up immediately all the way to, um, to um, you know, our global um, uh, partners as we do have, you know, regular calls and meetings where we share everything that we're doing uh, so do we don't miss an opportunity. So, you know, from a, you know, how much, how much uh, do I commission? It all depends, you know, what it is that we need. If it's, a, if it's a need that's specific to a local market, it might just be a local buy. If it is something that we feel is uh, relevant to all my region, I will then, you know, and, and, and the U.S. again, as Tim was saying, the U.S. is not interested, then we would action it ourselves. If it becomes a global deal, then it would be a decision who actually 
um, deals, does the deal because you know it, it, it doesn't mean that if it's global, the U.S. will actually execute. It might be that it's global, but actually it's coming from from here, from EMEA, and we will do the execution, uh, taking into consideration the U.S. needs. Okay. Well, should we have a look at uh, one of your channels um, to get a flavour for what you currently have, and we can talk about some of the shows. Um, should we have a look at Cartoon Network? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Cartoon Network. And as with Nickelodeon, there are a lot of humour there, a lot of, of sort of anarchy. I mean, a very American flavour to those particular productions. When you're, when you're looking for stuff from outside uh, the US, are those, are those sort of tonal points similar, you know, uh, that, sort of, uh, that sort of sense of humour? I think what's important uh, is that they, they fit the, the channel brand. So as long as, you know, we have... Um, you know, as long as we can, we can put place that content next to our, you know, our content that, that is coming from our studios. You know, that is that is what we're looking for. It is also true that in some markets, you know, some of the local relevancies might be a little bit uh, slightly, you know, uh, different. So we will look also to be able to fulfill those needs whenever necessary. And of your, of the three channels that you have in the UK, um, Cartoon Network, Boomerang, and Cartoonito. Is, is, is Cartoon Network the, the more, um, the one that has the more commissioning opportunities? Well, that's a great question, because um, at the moment, what, what, uh, what we did um, since I joined, what we've been working on um, uh, globally is to actually um, elevate um, the, the channel called Boomerang that we all know and love to become a partner's partner flagship ch uh, channel together with uh, Cartoon Network. In the past, Boomerang has uh, has just been like almost kind of the poor brother or sister of Cartoon Network. Now we are basically um, we have agreed with uh, with all our other colleagues, not just uh, in international but globally, to bring this brand up to the standards of Cartoon Network. We are working on a strategy to be able to you know, get um, the content that we need for that channel to become a big player as much as Cartoon Network is and give it more love and attention. And, uh, and yes, yeah, so that's, so, so actually it's not only um, that we have, you know, commissioning for Cartoon Network, we have it also for, uh, for Boomerang. In the case of Cartoonito, this is a channel that um, we do have whenever there is an opportunity or a need for that type of channel. Um, the, we have it in the UK, as you know, and it's very, very successful. It's a, it's a great uh, a, a addition to our multiplex. And we also have it in Italy, where it's a, a free TV player. So in, that in those cases of those two channels, we're not going to buy for the whole of EMEA because I don't have all the channels anywhere else, but we would be commissioning specifically for those channels individually. So to describe the, the flight, uh, uh, the tone and the, the flavours of Boomerang as, a, as opposed to uh, Cartoon Network. Could you, could you sum up what, what Boomerang means to you and, and to the company? Boomerang really, you know, stands for um, heritage and timeless. If you think about, if you think about um, uh, the Hanna-Barbera library and how that resonates as a brand, that's what Boomerang would stand for. So it's something that is, you know, very timeless. It does appeal to 
you know, the four to seven-year-olds, but it also will appeal to their parents and to us. I think. Still love my Tom and Jerry's. Um, it's 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 also some it's also a channel that it needs to be, you know, safe. It's it's it's, it's for four to seven-year-olds, so it's for that audience that is kind of coming out of the preschool arena. They're they're wanting to continue, you know, engaging with with uh, with characters and stories, but they want a little bit. Um, uh, to push the boundaries a little bit outside of the pure preschool area, and uh, and that's where um, where um, a boomerang sits. I have a I have a great reel that actually shows you how funny it is as well, because boomerang is all about again same as uh, <coughs> same as uh, uh, Skeleton Network. It's a channel that is all about you know having fun and lighthearted fun at at, at, at it. So you know it's it's. Um, it's comedy first, and uh, and lighthearted entertainment. Well, let's have a look at uh, Boomerang, and then we can uh, ask a bit more about it afterwards. Meh, watch up, Doc. Great stuff. Now, those are, as you say, heritage brands that, that go through periods of reinvention, as, mm -hmm. as happens across children's broadcasting. In terms of... How, when you're looking at this channel now and, and, and trying to, to, to boost it a bit, are you looking for people to bring perhaps some much-loved brands that haven't had attention? Are you looking for totally original concepts that can sit alongside those? And would that, would, would that affect what Boomerang looks and feels like? If you think? We're looking at both. As long as it has that classic feel to it and it fits that uh, kind of fun, light-hearted sense of humour. We're not preschool again, although we are aiming for that target audience, which is four to seven, which you could say is, is also the preschool target. You know, as long as it doesn't have that preschool feel to it, but it's more about fun, and, and it has a classic uh, resonation to it. It doesn't need to be uh, an old uh, brand that we're bringing up, but of course, you know, if it is, then it's, uh, I guess, double whammy, because you can have something that, that is not just classic, but, uh, but that parents or ourselves, you know, are, are um, uh, uh, close to and, and really love and then we're going to be able to enjoy with our children because that's that's the, the heart of Boomerang so it's a, it's a channel that you as a parent can enjoy with your kids. So there are more opportunities for rebooting old characters, yes. there are, there are yes, I mean we are, are seeing it on uh, across you know, different and channels. We, and we are, you know, we're working very closely at the moment with our uh, with our sister company Warner Brothers and looking at all the, the Hanna-Barbera library so so I won't tell you what we're doing exactly, but you know there's going to be quite a lot of those beloved uh, uh, cartoons coming back. But uh, in terms of people coming up with coming to you with original ideas, it's, it's quite that's, that's, yes, that's quite that's quite a, a tough yeah, competition against the, the I mean, if the you can brand. see, if you you saw there, you saw there, uh, Mr. Bean. Mm -hmm. uh, you also saw Garfield. I mean, Mr. Bean is not heritage by any means to everyone in the world. I mean, it's, it's not as a children's brand either. Exactly. So, but so, but it does fit the brand really, really well. Uh, same thing with Garfield. In some markets, Garfield is very strongly heritage-wise, like in France, but other markets not so much. So, you know, it depends on the on the um, brand. We've we've just uh, also acquired Jungle Bunch, which is not really heritage by any means. It's just new, and uh, but it does fit the brand. In its humor and its look and feel, and, and it, it does, you know, it's something that you can see 
kids sitting down with their, you know, with their parents and enjoying, you know, uh, together. Mm. When I think of boomerang schedules, I think of events. I think of sort of themed days, or you may have back to back five hours of mm -hmm. a show. Is, is that all right for reinventing, or do you do you, do you think that helps the channel sort of stand out? And have its I think everybody has their own strategies. Um, you know, uh, you know, we we do theme days, we do stacks, we do back to backs, we do marathons, we do all kinds of things to try and win the ratings war because, hey, it's a tough you know war out there. So we, you know, it's it's anything and everything that you can do to make your, you know, your schedule more exciting and 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 continue to attract those audiences by you know playing around with the shows that you have. And you have new competitors now, and you have the likes of of Netflix and, and Amazon sort of coming into this space and, and mm -hmm. some of the tax breaks we've discussed may make that more attractive for them as well. Um, I mean, Netflix has taken um, DreamWorks Dragons as an example. Uh, what, what do you think about the, the, this new competition, uh, this new sort of uh, fight for rivals across different platforms, do you think they're I think you know it's great to have. Com I love competition, but you know actually I do, and uh, it's fun. Otherwise, you know we wouldn't be doing anything every day. Um, so you know I think I think there's space for for everyone, to be frank. And and Netflix just uh, is another platform. When we look at our brands, and you know we have not just our channel brands, we have a lot of very uh, important uh, brands when it comes to you know uh, the programs themselves. We want to be everywhere and anywhere those kids are. So if it means that you know we have to be in Netflix, we will be there. Uh, so I don't I don't see them as a compet as a competitor. I see them as another platform that you know that will allow us to uh, uh, broadcast our content. In. And if we talk a little bit about some of um, your successes, uh, I'm thinking of a show like Gumball, for example. How important is it for, the, for these shows to land straight away, and how much nurturing are you prepared to do to sort of break them through if you believe in them? You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be investing in anything that I'm not going to look afterwards. You know, you have it's like it's like your kids, no? You know, what? I think that's a bit too much, but <laughs> <laughs> it's like like your dogs. Um, you are, yeah, you you know, if you if you've put a lot of a lot of you know effort and passion into, into making something, you're going to want to see that succeed. So you're going to try everything you can to do that. Um, you know, I don't, we don't have just money to throw around and spare and I'm not going to buy something if I, I'm not going to be using it. So I will, you know, I will be looking to, to nurture things. And in the case of Gamble, you know, we were extremely, extremely lucky um, and I say lucky because nobody knows if something is going to succeed. I mean, we can, if I had a magic ball, it would be very easy to beat my competitors, you know, but I don't. So I have to kind of trust in, in, the, in the content that we build and, and the passion that we put behind it and then in my programming uh, departments to be able to, you know, make that a successful launch and a successful, uh, uh, you know, uh, IP. But um, so, you know, it's, it's not about uh, just buying something and hoping it works is about you know making sure that you put everything behind it to make it work. And once you are prepared, quite high volume orders, or again, is that a mixed model? So when we when we uh, we usually you know won't go for anything you know 
out of the door high volume we will start slowly so you know if, if something starts working you know we will uh, be monitoring it very closely because we do want you know a second season and a third season and a fourth season and actually we just uh, we just um, uh, commissioned the, the two new seasons for Gamble, so four and five, all in one, which I'm very happy about. And, uh, and that's because of the great success that, that this, uh, this show is, is having, not just you know, here in the UK, but actually globally. You know, we, we, uh, we've reached over um, 150 million, I think it was in the last quarter, individuals just you know, globally with that brand. So I mean, it's, it's, it's and what does your um, research tell you about how your viewers are watching? Um, do you get a sense that the, the argument against scheduled TV is sometimes overinflated, or, or are a lot of your children accessing it via different platforms? I think we all know kids are everywhere now. I mean, they're, they're on tablets, they're you know they're on the internet, they're. Watching, sometimes they're multitasking. You know, we know that our audience is very much a multitasking audience, especially the the boys. You know, they like playing games while they're watching their um, the, the, the shows. Um, we've got you know a, a great um, app called Watch and Play in the U.S., which uh, which we're looking to roll out also here in Europe. Um, so yes, kids are everywhere, and uh, and we can't we can't ignore that. So we will be there wherever they are and, and, um, and are looking to to these different services. And is that app primarily VOD or on demand? Or yes. Or do they have games and other aspects yes. as well? Yeah. Okay. Um, when looking at commissioning from EMEA and particularly the UK, um, first of all, are, are you seeing Productions come to you that, that you know will be able to take advantage of tax breaks, and what does that mean for you, for your for the productions in terms of scale and in terms of the, the, the funding you provide? I think it's fantastic that the, thank God we got the tax break. You know, I mean, I think it's it's, it's, it's so important. You know, we've been seeing it in, in all these years how you know France, the industry, the animation industry in France has grown incredibly in you know in, in all these years thanks to all the you know the test breaks that they had and the you know the, the, the helps and the financing and uh, and the same we've seen in Ireland so now that it's come to the UK you know we I think it's I think it's fantastic I mean in my case you know uh, having um, a production here in the UK Gumball again and being able to tap onto those tax breaks is really important because that allows me to kind of say okay let's just go out of the box with you know another two seasons, we you know uh, I, I can get more volume out. I can put that that money towards you know having more episodes. So you know it's it's really great news, and it's also great news for you know any new developments or new ideas that might come our way, and to give us a, an opportunity to look at those you know with uh, with different eyes. And and do you think it will lead to more? Um, Co-productions as well. I mean, companies in the U.S. able to drop to tap into UK I talent think, a bit yeah, more. Yeah, I believe it. It will. I really believe it will. I mean, it's you know, because it's it's now uh, you know a reality here. So of course we're going to be benefiting from it. So when you have you know producers like we have in the room pitching to you, what do you want to hear from them? What excites you when you? What excites me. I, 
all new ideas excite me. But uh, what what really excites me is actually what I like to, to see is uh, when somebody comes to me and, and actually knows uh, my channels and my brands and uh, and almost kind of tells me what my brands are about and I don't need to tell them because that shows they they really you know they really thought about uh, you know us and when they were making the show and that is really really strong and I've had some you know some of those situations in in Sometimes I'm not going to tell you exactly who because I'm in the middle of negotiations. But you know, it really made me very, very happy when you know somebody came up and said, you know, I really think your show would, uh, my show would be really fitting in your channel. So I think what's most important, what I would say to all of you, and I think Tim also mentioned it, is that you know you you get to know our channels, you get to know our brands, and you know, and 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 then and then come with the pitch um, because you know trying to fit uh, something that you know, doesn't really fit there, then it's, it's, it's hard. Which makes something like Mr Bean all the more interesting, I mean, that's a, an unusual route to come to you. I mean, did Turner just feel, feel that the, the surprise element of that, and the fact that it was quite an off-the-wall idea, mm -hmm. was part of its appeal? Yeah, I think Mr Bean is just that, that kind of light-hearted comedy that you know, it's it's very it's very similar to a lot of these shows that we have in Boomerang. So it really fitted very well. I, it was never meant. I don't I don't think Ron Atkinson was thinking about Boomerang when he, you know, when he was doing his <laughs> Mr. Bean, but it happened to coincide that that show had a lot of uh, resonance with the same uh, brand values and the same audience that we have. So that's you know, of course we were. We were really excited to be able to commission the second season of Mr. Bean, and and um, and yeah, and I, I can't wait to get it on the channel. And the brand traditionally has always played very well yes. internationally by being, a, yes, you know, exactly. when it was live action, yeah. largely silent. Yeah. So you know, you had the parental approval, and you have the proven, Absolutely. the proven yes. track record. Um, you're also reviving Powerpuff Girls, I believe. We are. We are. It's very exciting. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been something that um, you know uh, everybody was very supportive of. Uh, we've been talking about it for quite a while because it's, you don't just you know revive just anything. But we we believe very strongly in this brand. It's been um, number um, one of the top shows in our channels when you know when it was um, new. Of course, you know we want what we want to do is bring it to the kids of today because you know they they, they still use kind of you know those uh, I don't know what you call the phones with the with the cables you know there's this the technology and the things that the the powerpuffs used to do in the past are not what we do today what we see in, in kids' lives today so we want to bring that same comedy and that yeah. those same uh, you know fun elements but make them more relevant to today's kids. And is it? It's also important to have, you know, more female heroes, more female voices on the channels, which can get quite easily get quite boyish because of the nature of the, the shows you currently have. Absolutely, we love uh, heroes, whether girls or boys. You know, we love heroes, and uh, and yeah, Powerpuff Girls are are, are girl heroes, but so are um, uh, in Steven Universe we have uh, the gems, and those are also girls. And uh, in, in Adventure Time, we've got uh, Bubblegum, we have Marcelina, they're also girls and they're also kind of heroes on, in their own right. So, yeah, we like having girls here as much as boys. 
Good stuff. Well, thank you very much, uh, Patricia. We're going to move on to, to Disney now. So if I could ask you to step down, you'll come back on in a few minutes, if that's all right. Um, <laughs> Now we have not one, but four people now. So you can uh, align yourselves and I shall introduce you. Okay, well representing Disney, we have uh, Louise Bucknell, Director of Programming, Disney Channel's UK and Ireland. Beth Gardner, Vice President, Original Programming and Development, Disney Junior EMEA. Orion Ross, Vice President, Original Programming, Disney Channel and Disney XD AMA. And David Levine, Vice President, Programming, Production and Strategic Development, Disney Channel's EMEA. Did I get all those titles right? Well More done. More or less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so going to find out what they all mean. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure that out. Okay, well, we've got a lot to cover here, a lot, a lot of channels. Um, and I guess, you know, the first, if we start with, uh, with, with you, Louise, um, how much is your role about working with UK producers? Uh, I mean, Disney is a global brand, clearly. Disney has a lot of in-house production. Um, how much contact do you have with the production community? Well, it really varies because um, we have our content from a number of different um, sources. We obviously have got our global content from um, Burbank, uh, so things like Jesse or Good Luck Charlie for Disney Channel, um, and we've got a lot of a pipeline for all of the channels for, for that content. And then we have, we work in a number of different ways, so we'll have local acquisitions or acquisitions that will be across EMEA, so for example on uh, Disney Junior we've got The Hive and um, Zoo which are local acquisitions, and then also uh, Beth, Ryan and David in the EMEA in the UK production team, um, we have um, uh, commissions that are Pan uh, Amir, um, so things like Henry Hubble Monster. So actually, there's a real variety of uh, ways that we work with different partners and um, uh, producers in the UK and across Amir. So it's actually a real mix. And then we also have short form that we tend to make in house. So we've just produced a, a really sweet series of Fairy Friends for Disney Junior, uh, and this is about sort of kids talking about their pets, and that's sort of. Um, produced in-house, so it, there's different ways that we work uh, with producers depending on the, the project. And in your research with, with, with children and also with, with, with parents, is it important for them to have you know, a lot of British voices within you know, a very much American uh, channel? Again, it really varies and I think it depends on the, um, uh, the programme itself because the characters and the stories are what emotionally connect with the children. Uh, and it depends on the different age groups on, on each channel. So we've got a number of um, uh, productions and acquisitions that have UK voices, and then we have um, other content uh, like Phineas and Ferb that doesn't. And actually, it's the uh, connection with the, the characters and the, and the, the programmes that the kids really love. So we, we see that actually it's a, it's a variety, and having sort of that local mixed in with um, sort of our US uh, content, it works for us. I should just point out that Ferb is actually British. Of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, give us a flavour of which UK producers you've worked with then over the, over the past 12, 18 months. Uh, so at the moment we're working with um, Ed Kelly from Moon Studios um, on a lovely show called Wildlife Jack. Uh, it's about to launch in a couple of weeks' time. Um, and this was a lovely show that came to us uh, last year, actually, to myself and Beth after CMC. Um, and we really loved the show. It's about Jack, who's a six-year-old boy who goes out into uh, British wildlife. Um, it's narrated by Chris Packham. 
um, and um, it's it's really trying to encourage kids to sort of look at um, British wildlife, not just sort of nature, uh, to get outside, um, but also uh, to tell a story about how he takes the imagination, uh, takes his, goes uh, through his imagination of a book that um, his his granddad narrates, which is Chris Packham. We've got a clip to show you if we can show uh, the wildlife Jack clip in a second. Um, and uh, so we work with Moon Studios, but there's a whole range of other um, producers and distribution that we're working with. Lucas Films for The Hive, um, Brown Bag on Henry Hubble Monsters, there's, there's a whole range. Mm. So if we could show the clip. What do you have under there? Nothing. But it's moving. No, it isn't. There, it's a duckling. Shh, keep your voice down. There's danger about. Danger? There are hungry animals that eat everything around here, Jack. Including ducklings. Now buzz off. So it's very sweet. We're so delighted with it. And, uh, you know, some credit to Ed and his team that uh, produced that for us. And this was quite an interesting um, project for us because it's been part funded by Kickstarter Fund and then we acquired um, the, the, uh, the show for the channel as well. So we're really excited about that. And it's, it's just got that magical storytelling that we have on Disney Junior. Is that the first time that that, that show's come through that route to you? Yes, it yeah. has. So it's been sort of quite a different um, way of um, us sort of approaching or, or seeing sort of how content can come to the channel. And we'll, we, we look at all different models um, through acquisitions or co-productions or fully commissioned shows. Uh, so this was something very innovative, very different, and actually it's less about how uh, that model works, it's more about is the content what we want, is this great content, yes it is, does it fit in with the brands that we have, um, that's what's really important to us, finding the best creative ideas. And those conversations started at CMC last they year? They did, they started at CMC, um, so just after CMC last yeah. year, and when we saw this sort of taster tape, we just fell in love with it, and we wanted to really develop that with And was Chris on board at that point? Um, does he, no, and what does he, he bring to it? He brings a sort of authenticity. Exactly, that was just the icing on the cake, really, um, to have him sort of involved, to really sort of... Um, uh, sort of push the sort of nature and um, getting outside message as well. So yeah, we're delighted with that. Okay, and you've also got a you know you've already got an established British hit on your hands, an in-house one in Goldmouth. Mm. Um, we'll have a clip of that in a second. Do you do you find sort of as as, all, as, as the BBC and ITV may have as well, you know, the, a competition between in-house and indies and how and how you sort of judge ideas coming in? Is it can it ever be an equal playing field? Or because you're part of a, a global corporation, the in-house is, is the preferred route? Or? Mm -hmm. Well, Goldmouth, I mean, um, is, is a fantastic show. Uh, it's in its um, fourth season for us. Um, and it has been an in-house team. We have had um, strands and elements made by um, some uh, producers, uh, like IMG. Uh, and this is a, a football uh, comedy show. Um, we know that boys absolutely love football, also like comedy put them together, winning formula, absolutely fantastic. Um, we think that um, it sort of brings um, that passion for football, but um, going forward, um, we won't be making that in-house anymore. Um, so actually, uh, sort of for any sort of um, productions, they can come to the um, EMEA and UK production team. So Beth, Orion, Tali Waters, who's um, scripted live action, talk to these guys about sort of, um, sort of commissions or co-productions so long-form content will be sort of with indie companies it will be short form that we make in-house what's the main reason for that shift though 
Um, just that um, we want to get the best ideas um, from um, independent companies and actually sort of making the short form and the interstitial content is something that we can do in-house and that's the way that we partner with um, uh, producers and uh, independent companies. I would just add to that mm. that with respect to, to Goldmouth, producing that in-house is really the exception rather yeah. than the rule. Yeah. For a long-form series in Europe, we work almost entirely with independent production mm -hmm. companies. So will will that will that brand continue with a new producer or are there is that complicated? With, we're with discussing we're discussing sort of um, we haven't finished sort of rolling out the series at the moment, so we're looking at sort of um, what we want uh, going forward with sport and also with um, sort of fact tent um, formats for XD as well. Uh, but what we're really looking for right now is um, Disney Channel sort of live um, action um, acquisition, so sitcom drama. Uh, we're about to launch World Animal Championships, which is um, a fact tent show uh, that pitches three animals against each other. Um, it's from Australia. Uh, we've recently had a game show, Win, Lose or Draw. Um, so we're looking at different formats on Disney Channel. So if you've got some good ideas, come speak to us um, and uh, you know, sort of we will take it from there. Okay, I'm going to move on to, to you, to Beth. Um, we've mentioned Henry Huggle Monster before. Mm -hmm. It's been a bit, been a really big show for you. Yeah, yeah. How did that come How to you? How did that come to us? It actually came uh, with brown bags. We'd already had the animation uh, company attached. And it's a book-based property. So Walker Books, Brown Bag, and the author, and the Sharky, came in and pitched it to us. And at that point, you know, it was about emotion about the emotions of this character. But it was through talking to them, what really emerged is this character was unlike any other preschool character that we had, um, where you know we all know those kids that are four or five, and they, they've seen it all. He's like a wise character. So it, it, we started thinking about him as he's um, the Ferris Bueller for preschoolers. Mm -hmm. Like he had a guide to life, he had learned it all, and he's here to impart his lessons to the audience. So that's really what what made us, it feel it felt different than anything that we had on air. So that's really what we fell in love with. Uh, where are we now in terms of seasons? We are in, in the middle of production of second season. Okay. So. And you commission one season at a time. Yes, yeah. Uh, and now you've got uh, Nina Needs to Go, which is which is from uh, another British yes, company. Yes, uh, it's a Bristol-based company called Arthur Cox. And this, this was a great story for all the producers here that um, Sarah came in and she was pitching a lot of different ideas as you do. And they were all a little bit similar to something that we had in production or development. But it was the idea when she was leaving, she said, I have this one other idea. I haven't really developed it. And it was about her daughter. And something that parents all deal with is that her daughter always had to go to the bathroom at the most inopportune time. <laughs> and it just was such a funny, funny, universal idea. And um, so Sarah actually came up with it and developed it a little bit more. But then really what happened through development is she had this character, Nana Sheila, who was an ex-secret agent. And that really sort of elevated it. So that this universal theme that elevated it a bit much, a bit more. Uh, and we actually do have a clip uh, mm. to share of Nina Needs to Go, uh, which is voiced by Miriam Margulies. You can roll that clip.
Sorry, folks. The bathrooms are closed for cleaning. Closest bathrooms are downstairs. Anna, I can't hold it much longer. Don't you worry, like I said. I brought my umbrella! <laughs> and you mentioned Miriam Margulies there. I mean, how important is it to have names and, and talent with, with the shows that you get pitched? Is that a, is that a bonus? It is a bonus. I, I really think that, uh, you know, you connect to the talent that you have. It gets press interested. You get a great story from it. Um, we often find that they're really thrilled to be part of Disney Junior. Um, Miriam actually, you know, it's very funny to hear her talk about it in press. Um, so she's really proud of her uh, connection to the series. It's not what she often does. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you've also uh, revoiced some of your American series yeah. with British accents. And does that go? Does that go both ways? Um, in terms of if you had a if you had a, you know, a great UK production that you wanted to play in the States, would that get revoiced? Yeah. Or? I mean, well, Henry Hubblehunt Monster is a, an example of that, where we have, we have we're lucky enough to have both casts. So we have a UK cast and a U.S. cast. And the way we think about it, it's, it's, it's a connection to our audience. So I connect to characters that sound like me and deal with the same situations that I deal with. So it was sort of that, that's why we made the choice with Henry. It felt really important for the, the audience to connect to the characters. Particularly for this junior audience? Yes, certainly. And you we think? hear that from parents as well, that certainly for little kids, um, that moms and dads this age like to have that, that regional connection. And, and how do you see Disney Junior fitting in uh, or, or differentiating itself from the other preschool channels like CBBS, like Nick Junior? Well, well, we're very lucky. I mean, uh, Disney comes first and foremost for us. So we have a 90-year history and treasure trove of characters. So Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, Winnie Pooh. So characters that parents and even grandparents at this point connect to and have an entree into. Um, and I also feel like we have a, what differentiates us is the sense of magical storytelling, which for me feels very aspirational and wish fulfillment. There's something with Doc McStuffins, who um, is a new character for us, but she really embodies that Disney quality of wish fulfillment. Like I want to be able to talk to my boys. And is it hard for these new brands to sort of sit alongside the Disney classics or is that a you know a nice combination to have? I think it's a great combination. I th we look at what's on Disney Junior and probably in all the channels is a portfolio so that you want to mix it up with the old and the new, uh, give your audience something new and interesting but then also the, the tried and true brands that, that um, certainly Disney has. So I feel like it's a real benefit for us to have both. And something like a Nina, Nina needs to go. Now you've got that. Mm -hmm. are, are there more opportunities at the moment? Are, are you fairly commissioned up? Uh, no, absolutely. We were definitely open, open for business. Um, um, always, you know, it's 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 a real challenge. I think it's the challenge for us is new ideas that haven't been made before um, that really fit the portfolio. That's that's the real challenge. I mean, it's a really competitive, as Patricia was saying, it's a competitive marketplace. So. It's, it's trying to find that great kernel of an idea for anybody else has it and get it out there. Okay. Let's move on to you, Orion, XD. Uh, how would you summarize XD and its brand values? 
Disney XD, mm -hmm. uh, it's really about a kind of thrill ride uh, and, and roller coaster anticipation and, and it's, it really is, is there to take you um, on a kind of outrageous adventure. I think it's really focusing on laughter and adrenaline. Uh, as the two kind of things that are sort of the, the key chemicals um, <laughs> that drive that brand. Uh, and, and really, we are, we are putting more of an emphasis on comedy these days, uh, but it is also the home of adventure series like Marvel and Star Wars Rebels coming up later this year. So it is, uh, it's laughter and adrenaline. And in terms of competition, we're, we're talking sort of Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network, these, these kind of... I mean, it's, it's meant to be a channel that's, that's uh, focused primarily on boys. It's also girl-inclusive. Um, we know that boys are not just watching kids' channels. Uh, our competitors are on, uh, on all channels. We're competing with Top Gear uh, and Storage Wars, you know. Yeah. So uh, I think there's, there's a lot more competitors than just uh, Nick and Cartoon. But your new show, Boyster, sounds very boyish. Uh, should we have a look at that? Today? Sounds very what? Boyish. Oh, boyish. Yes, it is. I thought you said it sounded very Welsh. I just heard you. I don't know, I don't know why, what it is about whales and oysters. Uh, yeah, it's about a boy who's an oyster. Uh, he's a mutant oyster born in a toxic spill and adopted by human parents and raised as an ordinary boy. Um, and we were very research-driven. And we, we looked into our crystal ball, and we, uh, we actually have a crystal ball at Disney. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, it's more like Cerebro, the mind control thing. And, and, and our job, sitting here in Europe, is to look at what our US channels are not making and try and fill those gaps. So our slate is meant to complement what, what is coming from the US uh, and not duplicate it. So we're not trying to make exactly the same thing that, that comes out of Burbank. Um, so we looked really carefully, we saw there was no shellfish-based programming. I went to Cartoon Forum, I saw this thing called Molusco in French, it was a boy who was an oyster, I was like, bingo, that's it, tick programming need met. Uh, I'm very happy, very happy to say that Boyster is premiering on Saturday morning here in the UK, the day after tomorrow, 9.30 a.m., exclusively on Disney XD. Please watch it live and PVR it as well. Uh, we'd appreciate that. Let's, there's a promo I think we've got. Let's have a look Let's at the look. Boyster promo. Meet Boyster! The fishy smelling inside out, stomach puking, pals spitting! Half boy, half oyster. Boyster's a mouse! Oh, and sometimes he kisses girls. Gross. But when there's trouble, what have I done? he can use his freaky oyster powers for good. He really isn't your average boy. Or oyster. Ruffy! Get ready for Poyster! Saturday at 9.30 on Disney XD! So Poyster is made in a very different way from our US shows. It's a, it's a French co-production. France Television is on, is on board as a major creative and financing partner. Uh, but what it shares with all of our US shows is that it's a genuine creator-driven show. Uh, and it has real heart. And it has a unique creative point of view. It's something we haven't seen before. So. Um, so yeah, that's where Boyster fits into the content mix. And with some of these shows, you talk about them as a thrill ride. They're, they're perhaps got, you know, in terms of what we think of as Disney, they've, they've got a little bit of edge. Tonally, tonally is that, is that, do you find there are, there are internal battles there for what you can get away with? I think we're, we're always time? looking at ways to keep our audience entertained and amazed and amused. Uh, but it always has to be really grounded in, in real heart and optimism. Um, and, and so, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that, that I, would, I would use the word edgy about any of our content. 
Um, but certainly it's, uh, you know, if, if you're focused on comedy and, and you want to make 10-year-old boys laugh, you need to push the boundaries where you can. And I think we're always looking at how we can do that while still staying true to, you know, the, the values of Disney that mean we have to be embraced and loved by, by families and, and the members of families at all ages. So I think it all comes back to the heart and the optimism that's at the core of everything. And again, you know, are there, are there gaps in the schedule? Are there more opportunities for the British equivalent of we are we are definitely on the lookout for character driven comedies in animation my focus is is exclusively on on animation for Disney Channel and Disney XD so we're looking for funny shows for boys and girls uh, 6 to 11 with strong creators unique points of view uh, we have some great stuff that's in development with UK creators. We have nothing to announce right now, but I, I'm, I'm excited to be able to say that we're going to announce some stuff really soon. Uh, so definitely there's an opportunity for UK creators um, to work with us on, on funny cartoons, um, and we'd love to talk to you. Uh, and Randy Cunningham, one of your sort of biggest hits, uh, that's come out of the US, but the, we also working in Ireland on, on the production of that. Can you tell a little, a little bit about how that's put together? Sure. I think for every show, you look at the best way to serve that show and deliver on the creative promise of that show based on the people that are working on it. Animation is a really global industry, um, and, and it's not uncommon for shows to be made in different parts in different countries. Uh, Randy Cunningham was created by two U.S. live-action sitcom writers, Jed Elenoff and Scott Thomas, and we knew that they wanted to do the show with a writing room uh, in a sort of live-action sitcom style, and it made sense to set that up in L.A. and have a piece of the pre-production uh, with them in Los Angeles. But then we were looking for who is the best studio to deliver in the world, really, to deliver on design-driven, character-driven comedy and action um, in 2D. Um, and in sort of digital 2D, and there, there, there aren't that many. Um, and, 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 and we found a really good one in Boulder Media. They had some experience working on two shows that I personally really like, Foster's Home for Imagining Friends and uh, Gumball. So we knew that they had the chops to do this, and we felt like they were absolutely the right studio uh, for this particular show. So that's how the show was set up with some pre-production uh, in the US and animation and post-production in Ireland. You say you're focused purely on, on animation. So, for example, you, you've, I know you've been involved with things like Fort Boyard before. That, that's, that's I personally have not been haven't. involved in, in Fort Boyard, but um, I, as a channel we have. Yes, so Fort, Fort Boyard's a, a great example. That was something that um, we put together with, uh, with a, a company here with Zodiac and Foundation, and uh, it was something that we also did with CITV. Uh, where we shared the windowing, Louise can oops talk about that a little bit, but uh, it was a really, really good uh, experiment for us in terms of um, competition and a reality show. Um, played in a number of our markets around the world, and uh, so it it was uh, something that we we did here as well. Yeah, and again, like with Mr. Bean, it's sort of been through uh, prime time and through. Yeah, and that was that was certainly one of the one of the great appeals of it. Uh, certainly, in many markets around the world, obviously Fort Boyard is a big brand in the U.S. Uh, it was not quite a, a, as much of a, a well-known brand, so it was a really good way for uh, uh, Zodiac and Foundation to bring uh, Fort Boyard to to that market at the time. I think it's also a good example of how we can collaborate and co-produce with other broadcasters. 
uh, we do work with big terrestrial broadcasters across Europe, and a lot of our European productions have to be structured as co-productions for whatever reason. And we are very open to different kinds of partnerships, and we are very open to addressing the changing landscapes that we all face in terms of how kids are using media in, in partnership with other broadcasters and other, and other companies. Mm -hmm. So we work in lots of different kind of models, and I think Fort Bayard is a good example. Yeah. So with that, for example, can... David, I mean, wh who was the first broadcaster? Who put who then found the other broadcaster? Was it you guys, CRTV or CDRTV to you? I'm sorry, what was the... <laughs> which which broadcaster worked on that project first? Or? Uh, it was, I, um, you know... It was CRTV and C then... CRTV had it first, yeah. at the time as well, so um, <laughs> sort of brought together and, and discussed as sort of like sharing the windows and yeah. how it was going to be yeah. sort of scheduled as well. And, but we were, Disney was very involved in, um, in the production of that series and, and uh, I did not myself get to go to the set, but uh, several of our colleagues did and uh, were there for the whole production and we were very involved from a standards and practices um, um, point of view. So uh, it, was, it was a real great collaboration. So formats, I mean, that, that has a global format. Is that, something that, is that something you're still interested in? Are you still in the game for? You know, our, our focus primarily um, on the live action side going forward is really more uh, when it comes to long form uh, on the scripted side. We've seen a lot of uh, success throughout our region with uh, long form scripted uh, formats. Um, the thing that we're most excited about is Evermore. Um, if we can show the, the slide, Evermore is a four-part series that is uh, produced by Lime Pictures uh, up north outside of, um, outside of Liverpool. And uh, the, that location there is Arley Hall. It's uh, outside Warrington. Um, and uh, it's a great collaboration between ourselves and our U.S. colleagues with Lime. Uh, it's a four-part miniseries that will be airing in the autumn here in the UK, as well as the US and all around the world. And uh, we're very excited about it. It's a, it's, a, it's a bit of a drama mystery. And to build off of what Orion said earlier, we, our mission is to create content that complements the US and global pipeline. Uh, we get lots of great sitcoms, but we know uh, our audiences, particularly in Europe and particularly in the UK, want a variety of formats. And we know that the mystery and suspense format and drama formats are all really uh, very successful here, and uh, so we we came up with uh, Evermore. Lime came to us. They pitched us the project. Pitched us in the UK. They pitched uh, the US, and everyone fell in love with it right away. And what in particular was it? Was it about the project? I mean, it, it has a an English and American cast, I believe. It's actually got uh, except for our lead character, who's Australian. Uh, she's an <laughs> Australian uh, actress. Uh, she plays an American. Everyone is British, so it's a Commonwealth production. Uh, but uh, it's, uh, uh, it's a blended family. Uh, it's an American and British family um, that move into a very uh, creepy old manor um, called Evermore Manor, and they discover all sorts of mysteries and secrets. And uh, tune in. It's, it's, it's very exciting. Um, it's our first ever long-form production for uh, Disney Channels here in the UK. And uh, we are really looking forward to it. It's in post-production right now. But a four-part miniseries, I mean, that, that feels quite un unusual for, for a channel like yourselves. It is, it is. It's, um, it, it, it was a very, it's a very different format for us. Um, it's also able to be packaged as a movie, so some markets will be running it as the miniseries, some will run it as, as a movie. And uh, that's our first step in, um, in exploring this world and these characters. Is that a closed story or could it return? You'll have to watch well, to find out. I'll draw it. There might be a cliffhanger at the end. <laughs> And of course, Lyme have had experience with House of Anubis for, for Nickelodeon as well. So that's that you know, track record. Great yeah, absolutely, producers. Absolutely. Yeah, a, you know, yeah they've, been, they've been fantastic partners. Great stuff. 
Listen, we're just about on, run out of time for the main panel. I just wanted to make sure everyone's got time for, for some questions. So if we, we could bring back our previous panelists to complete the, the, uh, the line up here. There should be some microphones circulating. And uh, should all four of us like sit in one chair in order to <laughs> just to make it more fair? Do direct your question to the appropriate people, and if possible, say your name and where you're from as well. Hello. Um, my name is Amanda. I'm a screenwriter. Uh, just last week, I had the pleasure of attending a lecture with uh, Jeff Swampy Marsh talking about Phineas and Ferb, and he said that he pitched that idea for over a decade and eventually got picked up, and the pitch didn't change, really, which <laughs> says so many things. But he said that when uh, commissioners or a channel or a company, when they buy a project, they also buy the person who is pitching the project, and he think, thinks that that's maybe what changed after a, after a decade, he had much more experience, and I just wanted to know your opinion on that. Is it true? Have I agree ever... with everything Swampy says. Uh, <laughs> no, it's completely true, and, and Swampy really stuck to his guns on that show. Uh, the, the execs told him to redesign it uh, a million times, and they didn't, and they wound up making exactly the show that they wanted to make. Um, yeah, it took 11 years, but I think that, that often good creators are a little bit stubborn. Uh, and they have, to, they have to know their show and know what they want to make and, and really stick up for it. And I think that's actually something that you look for when you're meeting a creator is how well do you know your show, how well do you know these characters, and how clear is your vision. Uh, if the vision doesn't work for us, it's probably better just not to do the show than to try and change it. Uh, or, you know, through, you know, we'll just fix it in development. It almost never works. You know, you want to start with something that, that, is, that is basically already great uh, and just nudge it into the right place to help make it successful. So I, I, I totally agree with what uh, Swampy said. I think there's also obviously the room for young creators that we bring into our studios that uh, we nurture um, and, we te and, and particularly if we find a younger creator that has uh, a great idea, we will bring them in and, and team them up with some more experienced executives that can help bring that show to life. And there's a couple of our projects um, in our Burbank studio that would fit in that category. Uh, so, you know, it's not, I, I don't want to have any of the younger creators out there thinking that you've got to be at it for 10 years in order to get your show made. That's also true. It, it, it doesn't have to take 11 years. I, yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's, a, that's a really good point. Yeah. Morell, I'm a scriptwriter as well. Um, could each of you say what you think is missing out there? Are there things you're kind of keen to see, perhaps around diversity, perhaps around <coughs> differently abled characters or more girls on screen, or perhaps you mentioned blended families um, earlier on. Is that missing? Do we need more of them? Um, we're really driven by great ideas and great characters. Um, you know, for, for our, from our perspective, we are developing uh, more and more live action concepts. So, um, you know, Tali Walters is uh, our, our development executive that oversees that area. So from the live action side, we're looking for new ideas. Um, they need to be kid driven. Uh, they need to work for our brand. We've got great brand promises that uh, underlie what Disney Channel in particular are about. So following your dreams, believing in yourself. And so whether it's a blended family or um, girl characters, boy characters, it really needs to support the brand, support our brand values. Um, and, and that's really what we're looking at. Great characters, great storytelling. Um, uh, and and that's, that's the main thrust for us. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's 
anything missing it's just we don't know it yet mm -hmm. I, mean, I, I, I you know I think in in the case of um, of Turner and Cartoon Network we we do have um, a program that is run out of the US but with in which we all um, uh, contribute globally um, so that you know if there's somebody that has a great idea and brings it up to us and we believe and, and they really believe in that idea um, we will actually put together a team to uh, produce a short form. So we have a short form program um, in the de development program <coughs> in the US and put together a team that, that will help that, uh, that idea come to life. So, you know, if you have that idea that, that you think nobody else has, that's what's missing. That's what I would say. Yeah, I think from my point of view, echoing Patricia, um, it's, it's very, very important for us to engage with you. As long as we know what the brand is about, um, then your ideas uh, will come to the fore. And certainly with the, you know, with the likes of SpongeBob and so on and so forth, they were new, a little bit out there. Uh, they were taken to the heart uh, of what the brand was. But that wasn't internal, that was an external coming too. So yes, we don't know certainly what is missing necessarily, but we know what the brand is and we know that we are you know, all about talking to you about what new ideas can be. So yes, echoing the rest of the panel. Any more? Hello. Um, my name is Melvin Turn. I'm a, the animation course leader at uh, Sheffield Hallam. A lot of the clips that we've seen uh, today of the new stuff, uh, 2D as a discipline is still very prevalent. Is that down to production cost? Does that come from the story <coughs> idea? Or is that driven by viewer reaction? Um, I think it's, it's all of those things. Um, I think that for comedy animation on a TV series budget, there's still really vast superiorities to 2D animation. But there are exceptions to that. And, and we're very much technique agnostic. Uh, and we would look at whatever technique is going to serve the creative yeah. the best. I think that's where it comes for us. I think, speaking for Disney, is that it's really based on the project and what is the best method of getting the funny motion out for your audience so I you know it's interesting that you noted that but because I, I didn't even think about that but it is it's you know 2d just happens to be suited to those particular projects so they feed the idea basically yeah. I mean if you if you think of gumball that's all over the place <laughs> it's got everything so it is about the idea really yeah what works best for the project I think is, is certainly that. it's good to hear and there's definitely room for both Hello, uh, it's Jess here. I'm the creative director at World Seed Studios. What do you think the UK production community needs to do to get its 6 to 11 output up to its preschool output in terms of quality? Because it seems to me that there's sort of no doubt that we're globally uh, competitive in preschool, but it seems like the 6 to 11 product isn't quite you know, at that same level. And I'm just wondering what you guys think we all need to do to, to get that situation to change. Find six really good storyboard artists and clone them repeatedly. Uh, I, think, I think you can't sort of create it any other, that industry any other way than by doing it. Uh, and if that means initially importing some talent to, to set it up and make it happen, um, I think you have to create an ecosystem where you have the talent you need to make those shows. I think it's, 
building now, slowly but surely. Um, Gumball's actually done a huge, one show based in the UK has done a huge thing for the industry. Now we need a few more. Um, I think it's, it's just a question of building it brick by brick. Yeah, I echo that. Yeah, from our point of view, we've got um, certain things in the, in, in the pipeline that which we can't discuss right now, but it's sort of very exciting moving towards that, you know, 6 to 11 uh, live market is, is key um, for us. And it, it, is a, it is a slower process, but certainly one that certainly is not insurmountable. So, you know, I'm, again, there's, there's <coughs> opportunities, my favorite word, but also very positive that things can happen in the future. Can I just add a further question there? I mean, we're going to hear later on today from PACT talking about their push for the live action uh, tax credits. Do you personally support that, and do you think that's something that, that can help enable well, that competition? We're, we're really driven by talent. So we don't make our decisions at Disney based off of tax breaks or tax incentives. It's all about the project and the talent. So that's, that's our focus. So. Which is, yeah, which is true. Um, however, from my point of view as well, if it means that more doors are open and gives the encouragement uh, to people to make uh, that first step to discuss uh, new projects, then all for the good. I think tax breaks are fantastic. Although, you know, we're not driven by, by live action, but, you know, I think it's, it's, it's great that they're looking at that as well. Okay. Any more questions? At the front here. Steve Wynn, hello. Um, best and worst pitch line you've heard? <laughs> Barrister Bear. <laughs> is, really? I love that show. Is that the best or the worst? What? That, that sounds a, great. It's the worst. Barrister Bear. Right it was the show. worst. And it was a preschool show. <laughs> <laughs> what preschooler can relate to lawyers? <laughs> really? Preschoolers should not be drinking coffee. It's <laughs> completely inappropriate. I think Starbucks has it. I think um, any pitch where someone has a big bag and brings out a boombox and then starts singing. That's <laughs> say it's not just one. It happens to me often. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's, it just, I, the best pitches, I think, speaking for us all, that is, is a conversation. That, you know, we really want to find out where did this character come from? What inspired you? Why is it different than anything else on, on air? Does it fit the brand? It's more of a conversation are the best pitches. There was a pitch when uh, the creator actually brought out fireworks. Yeah. Uh, this is totally and, true. And, and, there were, and there were injuries. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's totally and, true. And executives were taken to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> the show was not picked up. No. Uh, there was a pitch that um, a dead rat was sent uh, to put in the fridge on Friday for the pitch on Monday, a pet wow. show. Oh. Some people here will know about that. So uh, <laughs> that was an interesting one. And also, uh, would you like one about boiled eggs? <laughs> and again, I would I would echo Beth. It's very important that you know you you are passionate about what what you're pitching to us. Not too passionate, maybe because we don't want accidents. Don't come dressed up as the character. Yeah, uh, yeah. probably not. Good. Yeah, and, yeah, and that you and that you understand the brand, and then you can't go wrong. Uh, worst pitch was probably one in MIP. Um, a year or so ago, and uh, someone came up to me with a list of short form, and she said, 
Okay, ignore the soft porn and the exotic, but there might be something for tween for next time. That's the worst. Oh, we can't tell you about the best pitch, because obviously we would be trying to pick it up. Um, although I did see a really good one recently that was, it's the heat with cats. <laughs> I was like, okay, cats solving, cats solving crimes together. That sounds great. Yeah, not cats in heat. That's the worst pitch. It's the heat with cats, not cats in heat. Yeah. Yeah, no. You gotta be really careful. Okay, well, well, after lunch, you'll have your own chance to beat some of those. Maybe so fireworks in bags or dead animals. Um, I'd like to thank our panel uh, for giving up their time and uh, elucidating some of their job roles and opportunities. I'll use that word again. Um, so thank you to our panel.